The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Veda with Palladio Garden. And I'm Mr. Kenneth Mabry with Dan West Garden Centers. We welcome Kenneth back because he decided to take a couple of weeks off and sit on the beach and not ask us to go with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know you're more than welcome to go. <laughs> But weekend before last, the first Saturday when I was leaving, okay? And I'll, that's I'll, Jim Crowder. Oh, yeah, that's Jim Crowder, the grumpy gardener over here. <laughs> Always glad to have Kenneth. Dragged him off his couch. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm telling you guys, that Saturday that, you know, when you go out of town, you know, we, we left on a Saturday morning. So I was planning on coming in that Saturday morning, but my wife, Gina, was like, mm-mm, that ain't happening. <laughs> because I guess she wanted me to load the car. And you were thinking, you know, if you if you saw us from across the street, you're thinking, man, they're gone for a year, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so I had I had to do a lot of loading that morning, guys. So uh, that's crazy. I, when yeah. I flew to uh, Florida, I took a little lunchbox and a backpack and stayed for a week. See, that's <laughs> the way you do it. <laughs> that's the way I can do it. But you know, the first time I went with Carol, forty something years ago, to the coast, she said. Canned drinks are really expensive oh, down yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So we took like six cases yeah. with yeah. us. Yeah. Got down there and they were like two dollars a case cheaper. Cheaper. And you wade your car down, right, spend all that gas, gas money to get down money. there. Yeah, exactly. Well, did you do any gardening down there? Uh, no, but I did a little sightseeing. You know, yeah. the uh, flora fauna down there is uh, really cool. It you know is. how it is. It's you know. just like Wow, this house plant that I have in my house, here it is growing as a tree. Well, like this ruella <laughs> that you see that's blooming everywhere down there, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, you know. Dirt and weed. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. An invasive <laughs> weed, but it looks so great when it's in uh, in these containers, uh, you know, on the parking lot and just yeah. in full bloom every day. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just good to get away for a mm-hmm. while. You know how that is. But I did listen to y'all on the way down well, there. Thank you, Kenneth. And then last Saturday... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were packing, you know, to get ready to come back. Of course, you know, I was the one doing all the work. Mm-hmm. Hope my wife's not listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was listening to y'all again on the podcast, and y'all sounded great, I'm telling you. All right. You really well, thanks, did. Kenneth. Gina was listening. Yeah. Oh, was she? Yeah. Well, she got she up before me. I did, yeah. and she was listening oh. as I walked through there. So, of course, I started listening. Ah, gotcha. Well, what about this summer that we're having this past week? And the summer we're going to have today. It's going to be warm this week. And the week. summer we're having tomorrow. No, ma'am. I'm not complaining at all. No? I mean, I have, no. You know, we... i got to start running sprinklers today. yeah. Yeah, I tell you Stuff what... Stuff is uh, dry. Yeah, night before mm-hmm. last, I pulled the garden hose out, and I went out... Because my son, who was still in town, was supposed to be coming by to do the watering, okay? And you know how oh, that works out. Gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, I think he might have made it by once, maybe, I think, Yeah, you know, because things are still somewhat alive. But, I man, I did some really good heavy soaking uh, night before last because things are dry as a bone out there, I'm yeah. telling you, you know. Well, and, the rain that we got just didn't keep up. Well, it's, you know, it was a good rain. It was slow and mm-hmm. steady, so we didn't get a whole lot of runoff, but it just wasn't, it's not coming now frequently enough. Yeah. You know? But the weather's great, and if you've got nothing to do today, or if you've got uh, stuff, change your plans and go to the Botanic Garden Plant Sale. So yeah, just, just make it a visit to That's right. a lot it's of It's going to be this places. weekend and next weekend if they have anything left. So uh, this is the fall plant sale at the yeah, Botanic Garden. Last year, they didn't have anything left for the second weekend. And 
Didn't they, they do that to, virtual too? Um, yeah, they were doing that. Yes. Now you oh, do need to that. make a reservation to shop because mm-hmm. they have they have only so many open slots. But I mean, if you decide to go out there, if they've got not enough people in there, they'll let you in. So mm-hmm. you know, hold on, say that again. You got to make a reservation. Yeah, they to, prefer. You know, they, they're only allowing a certain number of people in to shop at the same time it. for the guideline. That got kind it. of thing. But you know, as they go out, you know, they've got them set up at I don't know, fifteen or thirty minute intervals. But um, if you know, if they get a few people out of there, they'll let some you know people. And I do that online, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going right after the show, shopping at 9.30 this morning. Well, listen, he's already got his yeah, little slide. Right. But I went by there yesterday and took some pictures and mm-hmm. uh, of just some stuff. They've got some beautiful gardenias. they got a world of houseplants. i got a mm-hmm. very rare Sansa, Sansevieria. Nice. Uh, yeah, hid under mother-in-law's a, tongue? Yeah, hid mm-hmm. under a desk there so that I can go back and get it this morning. Now, and <laughs> how would I rest you, Mr. Jim? I mean, just get online? Yeah, you just get online. It tells you when time slots are Memphis available. Botanic Gardens? Yeah. Well, that's so, easy enough. I yeah. can do that. Do they have pictures and things of what they have in inventory? Um, you know, I haven't been on their yeah. site to see. Um, right. But they got lots of color, lots mm-hmm. of annual color, mums, things like that. But they have a lot of unusual things. Uh, got some neat shrubs. Um, and, you know, it's it's worth a visit out there. Mm-hmm. And it's always a good cause, you know, because all the proceeds from the sale goes directly to the education and horticulture departments. So it's it's and it's all done by volunteers. The nursery at the garden was my idea. I started it. So there. Congratulations uh, on the, that. Yeah, the volunteers have taken it. They've improved the area, flattened it out, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so it's easy to shop and uh, well organized and just great people. And if you join the Botanic Garden, you get an additional discount off on your plants. Yeah. And it's so not there. expensive at all to join the garden. You no, know? no, huh? It's not, you know, for what you get, you know. Yeah. And um, so, anyway, well, if you get well, a chance to run by the Botanic Garden yeah. plant sale. Because you can tour the Botanic Garden and you can do the plant sale at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Right. And then so run by your garden event. centers. And yeah. God, they're loaded up also, since I'm since telling you're you. Getting into the, if you're going into just the plant sale, you can go around the back and go over and just tear the garden anyway. So there. There's people. Anyway, so, um, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Well, when we get back just, from yeah. the break, I've got a story to tell. And, you know, and it's, I had a, a friend of mine. Um, she was moving some uh, pots around, uh, maybe, I, I guess, at her home. And. In one of the pots was a colony of fire ants, okay? Mm. Ooh. So as you're moving this thing, you get this stuff on your hand, and you're thinking— Was this sunny? Yeah. (laughs) How about that? Yeah, and you're thinking that you've got uh, dirt, you know, maybe on your hands, uh, and we'll talk about, you know, what happened afterwards. Yeah. And maybe what you should do if you do have fire ants kind of sneaking around on your property. I can't believe fire ants are still around. Big time. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I thought We're not going to get a cure for them until they get to Washington. No, no then way. they'll be able to give us something to knock them out. I was just hoping they went ahead and left. <laughs> no. But no, no, because I think I brought them from Texas with me. Mm. Yeah, because I remember when I came back from Texas to uh, Tennessee to Memphis, I was like, this is great. You no know, I don't think we had ants. them until she got to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so there's no fire ants, I think, when I get back in 98 or something. And uh, just shortly after, I started seeing little colonies of fire ants. Mm-hmm. But just leave it to uh, Memphis to get everything. 
Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get the armadillos, the fire ants. And I, I think I'm still having deer issues. People but seriously. are still having issues with their deer. Oh, yeah, and I'll talk about out. that also. I talked to a guy yesterday. In fact, I sold him a bag of milorganite mm-hmm. um, to maybe help repel the deer. Um, it's yeah, Deer can be mighty cute little things, but if they're in there yeah. munching on everything that you're growing, they're not so cute anymore. Yeah, and, you know, and I saw a picture this week, one of, one of my followers that I was – was off site she had first day of bow season she had never ever shot a buck and so she was out ready and this beautiful buck walks mm-hmm. out and one shot she takes it down yeah. goes over there and checks it and it is a doe with antlers wow oh, it was a full rack you know yeah i flipped it over and showed it had no male organs whatsoever wow it was uh you know never seen that happen so mm, you'll figure the, you nature know what can i want to say but baby, that's Something funny i'd written interrupted. in my notes i'd written in my notes <laughs> milorganite deer repellent yeah you well know. then you were here last week for the uh new form of manure that they've written about yeah human manure <laughs> human yeah that's just what you're thinking yep (laughs) (laughs) that is a joke no it's for real i'm just cruising through reading stuff and i said i read you know human newer and i went reverse what what did i just read and then i google searched it and you know there's a book on it and there's this on it and information on it but it's just milorganite okay really? as long as yeah. it's just milorganite yeah, we're in good shape the way that's processed uh, i can live with yeah, that yeah well they and, and we feel like that it's you know collected from free-ranging people that's exactly so. what because <laughs> what's the difference i can't believe i missed that article oh my word i just i just the things uh, that i'm reading i'm all I'm almost scared to find out what our youngins are going to come up with next. But it is a great product. I'll tell you, you know, like I told the gentleman yesterday, he's used it before as just a good organic fertilizer. And he actually had a rose bed, and he lives out uh, close to some woods, of course, and there's not a fence over there by the woods in his property line. And he said they're just munching the new tissue on his roses. And, I mean, he, he said, I really don't even care if they eat the other stuff. I just, you know, I want them to leave my yeah. roses alone. So he was at the point where he was going to just dig the roses up and put uh, Russian sage and some daisies mm-hmm. in there. And I said, well, you might come to that, but before you get to that, here, let's just put a good old heavy dose of milorganite down, and let's just see what happens. Um, so he said he'd get back in touch with me mm-hmm. this coming week. And, you know, I mean, I've heard forever that it's one of the best deer repellents out there. Now, they don't claim, that's not why they sell it, right? you know, as a deer repellent, but... It's, it's great, not on the label, right? right? It's a great yeah, fertilizer. Yeah, it's not on the label, yeah. but they do put out um, point-of-purchase materials that talk yes. about it. Yeah. Because now there's there's been a number of university studies yep. um, that where they've tried it, and it, it actually does work. So That's fantastic. They can, they can yeah. legally now say that it helps re- repel deer. So it's very economical because it's a two-in-one. It's a three-in-one. It's natural. It's a fertilizer mm-hmm. and a repellent. Yeah. So that's so, a good buy. So hopefully yeah. he can save, you know, he doesn't have to go out there and dig the roses up and replant them just because mm-hmm. of the deer lake. Well, maybe you saved it. We'll see. I told him, you know, to get back in touch with me and let me know what, how it went. Yeah. Keep moving out the uh, the area that he's covering with the milorganite. That's right. All right. We're going to go to a break and um, then we'll, we'll take hear, your questions when we get back. Yeah. We'll hear Kenneth's story also. So give us a call. 844-747-8868. Call with your garden questions now, 844-747-8868. This is Mid-South Gardening. 
Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You can call us. We want to know what's going on in your garden, 844-747-8868. Check us out on Facebook Live, and we have many other ways y'all can listen to us. Yeah, we're still doing the 901-260-5926. For local, yep. And please, if you haven't, join our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. When before Kenneth interrupted early in in the show, my name is Jim Crowder, you know, and I'm the administrator of that. He's so. just excited to be back. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm covering saying, I'm, for him. We're I'm excited not, for him to be back. I'm there. not saying another word. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking okay. about fire ants, guys, um, and it is a real problem to a lot of people, uh, and especially you know if you go a little further south, uh, Mississippi. I mean, there are pastures down there where you can't even walk through. They're so bad. Mm. But around here, I mean, you know, if you've got a one or two mounds in your yard, I mean, that's horrible also. That's bad enough for us, right? Right. But if you do have those big uh, fire ant mounds, uh, you know, what is the best way to get rid of them? And, of course, you know, we've always heard that you can use a drench that you mix with water, a product, a chemical that you mix with water and just drench the mound. And then, of course, there's some pretty good uh, baits out there that you can sprinkle around the colony. Don't disturb the colony. No, don't kick it over before you put your bait down. Go out there and just sprinkle these uh, baits around. And then, Veda, as you know, from Texas, sometimes they, they do the old Texas two-step. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll do both. You know, they'll, uh, they'll drench the mound, and they'll also use the baits. Uh, I don't know if there's one that's any better than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know for a fact that if you use a drench, you better make sure you use enough to get that chemical down to the queen. If not, they're just going to move yeah. the mound. That's all they're going to do. And a lot of the baits, whether it's the come and get it, which is the spinosad, uh, there's one called Extinguish that's good. Uh, there's the uh, 75% wettable powder orthene mm-hmm. uh, that's good. I mean, all of those would kill them. But uh, it's something that you, you know, keep an eye out. This time of year, they're, they're really bad out there. Uh, if you've got one, uh, you know, don't disturb it. Like I said, don't go over there and play with it. <laughs> yeah. Put the old stick in there and see how fast they well, come they out. They're probably going to get on you. Yeah. Because they run up that stick pretty yes, fast. Yes, they do. So <laughs> yeah. if you do and have they're not happy about you. No, no they're not. Not at all. Not but, at all. But I personally, if I had a, you know, big fire ant mound in my yard, I, I would do uh, both. I would drench it and I would also put some bait out there. If you stick, stick a stick down in it, it goes pretty far actually so when you drench it's used it's good if you're doing a liquid drench it's good to use at least a gallon of water to wash it down farther into the tunnel to hit their nest as well i'm still an advocate of if you'll do twice a year a bait use either spinosad or amdro one of those uh and it it doesn't take much you know it's just a pound and a half or so per acre it's not you don't have to put much down and then spot street treat with the 75% asaphate, mm-hmm. you know, surrender, orthene, right. uh, those. Um, the the orthene is really kind of cool. The When you put it in, well, you'll notice when you open the can a... Um, and this is a wettable powder we're yeah, talking about. An, yeah, an odor that's just kind of overwhelming. Um, and, but what insects the ant smell is the same gas that's released from roadkill. Mm. So they don't realize that that's a poison. So all you take is just a tablespoon or so and put around the top of the mound. And then when they come out, they walk through that. Then when they go back in, they carry it into the mound. Perfect. And if you want to, you treat a mound, you can sit there and time it. And it's almost exactly seven minutes you'll see them start bringing dead ants out because they won't leave a dead ant in the mound. Mm-hmm. And they'll start piling them up. And every time they come out, they walk through others, walk through the powder again. So 
it doesn't take very long mm-hmm. to kill them out. And then the the queen, wherever she is, mm-hmm. is deep, will starve to death in just like two days or Good. so. Yeah. So it's extremely effective and very cost effective because a pound can does a hundred and something pounds. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot, but yeah. it is something you want to store in an airtight container, you know, <laughs> hopefully in your neighbor's garage. Well, it so not, really does. So smell. I would use diatomaceous earth um, or a citrus uh, mixture for organic because you can put the diatomaceous earth, you can... Um, Sprinkle it all around. When the ants walk in it, it cuts them up. It dries them out. And um, that's, a lot, that's a really good control. I mean, probably chemicals are, are controlled it a little better. But since I want to be organic and not have a doe with antlers in my yard. Well, but also the spinosad beta to come and get it. You know, that's a great well, problem. My dog with two tails can get fleas know, on both sides. Right. Flies. I mean, there you know? are good things to this, Jim. <laughs> that is exactly right. A dog with two tails. How could that be a bad a thing? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, but anyway, so just if you've got fire ants, there are some really good products out there to get rid of these things, including, yeah. like Veda said, she's using organic products, whether it's the diatomaceous earth, the citrus oil. I wish y'all just tell spinosad. me what that uh, orthine smells like. Oh, it's oh, it's, it's terrible. It smells like broccoli. Oh, it's, it's worse. worse. It's, it's really fermented bad. broccoli. It's really but it, bad. that smells like the roadkill, like right. you said. So, and part of the odor is in there as a warning. Um, mm-hmm. Orthine is actually a very good insecticide. It's used in hospitals for insect control, but mm-hmm. they the odor is added in. F- to let you know that you're around it. They don't Good put thing. that odor in the, the hospital. Mm-hmm. So, you I mean, they're, they're actually spraying this stuff for for insect control. <laughs> there are products that are out there that have Bittrex added to it, if which is... bite into it. Right, yeah. when you bite into it, it's a horrible... Jump. You know, you hope you never would, but they're talking about for younger people, if they accidentally get a hold of a, a bar of rat bait, mm-hmm. uh, it's got that stuff added to it to where it tastes so bad that they wouldn't, you know, take a bite right. of it. Right. They wouldn't eat it. So I don't know. I thought detergent pods, it tastes pretty bad, too. You would think. <laughs> yeah, but that's more of a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> okay, we're going to run to a break, and then just hang on because we have more fun to talk about. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. We're so glad you're joining us this morning. And um, we have a question on the board. Somebody called in, and I think they posted on Facebook, too. So thank you for... Yeah, that was Miss Judy Wood there had a question. So the first one is, she collects water in a rain barrel. Are there any fish that would eat the mosquito larva and uh, survive in the winter? Yes, just go buy you some feeder goldfish. Most winters they will survive. But you know what I just thought of? There's no larva in the winter, mosquito larva. That's okay. They don't eat very much in the winter, but they mm-hmm. normally will survive unless the barrel freezes solid and stays that way for a long period of yeah. time. I would have never thought a goldfish. I thought that thing yeah. was like a tropical little. And oh, they can actually, yeah. like I said, they can actually get encased in ice and still survive. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so I, well, why, how come is it when you buy a goldfish and you put them in this little bowl uh-huh. that you can never keep those alive? Well, well, that's a horrible environment. It is. I mean, the water goes downhill as soon as you put the goldfish in. You know? well, I, I swear I remember. People, people like to feed goldfish. You know, mm-hmm. let's see if come up. But you know, it should take like a flake. Yeah, yeah. not that's not it. half of the container that you. Their got in stomach there. is about half the size yeah. of their eye. So right. you know. So even in a pond, because people feed, 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 which makes the water worse, makes the fish. All right, so old fashioned goldfish. Yeah. That's right. No, that's yes. cool. Okay. okay. Yeah. So she's good there with are, that. There are um, you know, um, mosquito fish, mm-hmm. look like little guppies, but yeah. they, they'll usually survive the winter, but they're harder to find. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I put all of my, I have pots that just have water hyacinths in them, just have water lettuce, uh, some with just lotus, and every one of those has goldfish. And occasionally I feed them, but there's enough stuff in there for them to eat. They're fine. Mm-hmm. Now, and just there are other alternatives, too. There's the, you know, the mosquito dunks, right. mm-hmm. uh, which is a BT-type product that you can just drop into the water. Uh, it is a bacterium that will kill that mosquito larva. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to have fish in there right. you know, unless you want them in there. Well, but, we should kind of have to get a balance in the rain barrel for the water to stay decent. Or if the water, well, it's off the roof, so that's not so bad. Well, it's not yeah, like, and it's, you know, most of them have closed tops, so you don't get algae growing yeah. in them. There's no sunlight it's a in there. Yeah, so, that's uh, true. I knew somebody yeah. that had um, barrels under each... Uh, drain spout but mm-hmm. they put in the barrels like arrowhead and parrot's feather yeah. you, you had to keep plants in yeah, it. yeah it was absolutely. really neat the water was uh, clean all the time she had fish in there also well it's like jim said you know he's growing I've water hyacinths and mm-hmm. water I've got, lettuce i've got lotus and in, in 25 yeah. gallon pots so yeah. you know you're going to have mosquitoes if you don't have either absolutely. fish in there or dropping those mosquito dunks in right. there yeah yeah, so you don't have to just have a water garden to have water plants. No, you can not do at a all. Con- one little container. And let's see what else she had. Oh, recommendations on repotting a cactus and succulents. What type of soil in the best time of year? Mm. Well, yeah. I, you know, I'm about to do mine right now. Okay, yeah. I'm about to repot them. Um, and I, what I usually do is I mix my own cactus soil because the cactus soil I've seen is still not coarse enough, really, for most cacti. Now, if you're careful, they'll be okay. But, uh, you know, if you look like mine, it's set out in the rain, and they need mm-hmm. to drain quickly. Okay. Now, so, will you start <coughs> with a cactus soil and go now, from uh, there? I, I've been using either Fafford or miracle mm-hmm. Grow potting soil, not the water-retentive type, mm-hmm. no, none of the polymer mm-hmm. um, added in it. And then I'll take uh, a Spoma Soul Perfector and mix at Great least product. 50% in that. Um, now I usually rinse it before mm-hmm. I mix it if it's going into the house uh, because it does have a powdery r- stuff in it from where it's ground up. Mm. Uh, but if you know if I'm mixing it and I know it's going to be sitting outside for a couple of weeks before it comes in, then I don't worry about right. rinsing it. I just dump it in and mix it up. So I want it to feel more like gravel than I do soil. Right. Okay, so 50% soil perfector and 50% of just yeah. a good soil. Yeah. Uh, and that drains like a champ. Yeah, and I pot my cactus. I've got all. I've got nine different varieties of um, night-blooming cereus <laughs> that, that are in this soil. does great for them. 
Uh, so it's great. You know. and, and you can do that to answer a question. You can do it any time of year, you including really this time of year. Yeah. If you break the roots up, you want to make sure that your soil is dry as you're repotting and you not water them for four to five days. Yeah. You want those roots to callus over. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're not disturbing the roots, you know, other than maybe just a little bit on the outside, then you don't need, you don't have to do that. You can water them immediately, but I usually don't water for four or five days after I repot. I mean, but so that is the key, though, is good drainage for right. cacti, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, like um, I and, use a Dr. Earth cactus and succulent soil. It's really, really light, but it doesn't have a lot of gravel in it. Um, but I, I like the, have a, adding the weight to keep the pots from flipping over. Right, yeah, you know? that's a good idea. I just take my cactus and just lay it on the ground, throw some soil in there, rip those roots and shove that cactus in there and push and push. <laughs> <laughs> and then stick it over in the water. And then I water it really good after Jim I just silver said, don't tools. do that. More yeah. like a, do I, you I'm use? Uh, Martha, Martha Stewart of, yeah. of cacti potting. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Well, I hadn't planted a cirrus, cirrus, and if I had done that the way I just recommended, I don't uh, think it, it would have worked. No, it probably would have rooted if you just lay it on top of the ground, you know. Yeah. I took some cuttings from one of my my largest one and threw them in a box and left them there for, I don't know, four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've just rooted perfectly, you know. It's, it's amazing, yeah. like, how they can recover from our abuse. But then when we love them, they just fall out. That's the main thing. Well, you know? it, yeah. But it's good to know that. You know, certain house plants or even outdoor plants have got to have good drainage. And sometimes you just have to either use a high-quality potting soil like Veda's talking about or you have to mix some stuff to it like Jim's talking about. But there are also just regular house plants that we see people use a soil that's way too heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm talking about just a typical house plant. I mean, a Chefalera, for example. (coughs) Um, So, you know, we've always said, you know, don't put that $5 plant uh, in that $2 hole. And right. that goes, that's true with house plants and potting soils also. Well, speaking of soils changing into the hanging basket, we sell a soil that is for outdoor containers. <clears throat> but I love it because it's really uh, holds the water longer. I mean, you could go three days without watering in common weather. Um, or just in a regular hanging basket, you'd have to water every day. So the soil moisture, the nutrients and all that's fantastic. But it's making that basket just a little too heavy. I mean, it ripped out the thing off the column. It was so heavy. But so in my mind, it's perfect growing conditions for this hanging basket, and I'm not going to have to water as much. But I think I'm going to have to reanalyze that weight some, just add some bark or getting something, just to lighten it up a little bit. Like said, some bark in there, some some pine fine or whatever. But you're right, a a good potting soil. And I'm I'm not talking about garden soils here, Mm -hmm. but a good potting soil, especially if you're using it for containers, actually holds moisture but it drains at the same time and then some people's heads start to spin i mean like they're like how can that be but good potting soils do that but like jim was saying or and like you were saying that if you're using the right soil for the right type of plant i mean you're 99 percent of the way there you know yeah, you know, and like with my cactus, the small pots, I've got some four-inch stuff. They have to be watered almost every day during the heat of the summer. Mm. I mean, they really mm-hmm. suck the moisture out there if they're actively growing. Um, but, you know, this time of year, they're, you know, if I water them every two weeks, 
You know, that's more than enough. Yeah. But they're not going to sit there and die on you, Jim, because their feet are staying way too wet. That's true. You know, that's lack true. of drainage. Yeah. It's, it, it's mm-hmm. cactus are so hard, but they're so easy. Well, <laughs> I hear so many people come in and say, I killed my cactus. And I'm thinking, how do you kill a cactus? But then when I listen to the, the watering, you know, like at certain times you got to water every day, but then mm-hmm. you can go two weeks without watering. And I think people just probably water them to yeah, death. I've got some of the wintertime that I'll water maybe once all winter. Mm, okay. You know, they yeah. just don't need it. So, mm-hmm. like, it's definitely something that a person shouldn't have in their mind. Cactus doesn't like a lot of water, so I'll just water it once a month. It kind of varies with the weather. It does. And okay. that's the thing a lot of people don't understand, you know, particularly mm-hmm. if you're like me moving them in and out. Yeah. You know, outside you have wind, you have sun, but. You know, in a, in a very small pot, that thing gets toasty, yeah. dry yeah. During, yeah. The, during the heat of the summer. So right, you've so, got to replace that So water. Judy should either get a good, high-quality succulent mix, mm-hmm. or she could blend a mix her own her, yeah. a soil. But I mean, but drainage is the key here when we're yeah. talking about these these yeah. succulents. Right. Yeah. yeah, that soil perfector that you were talking about that uh-huh. you mix in with your cactus soil for drainage is fantastic because we also use it with dogwoods and cherry tea, trees and yeah. rhododendrons dendrons and things yeah. that really need some good drainage. The nice thing about our a rocky type of material is it's there from now on. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Roots like to follow the path of least resistance, yeah. so right. they'll run alongside that stuff. So mm-hmm. if you're dig- planting a dogwood and dig a, a four or five foot wide hole that's not <clears throat> maybe six inches deep out on the sides yeah. and mix some rock in there. It makes it very easy for those to get uh, roots mm-hmm. to get out in mm-hmm. there and and do well. And the soil can't pack back down and make it yeah. totally oxygen. Depleted, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, also the rocks will hold some moisture, too. They do. And yeah. then so that gives just it's amazing how much a little bit can make a difference on a plant. But um, it can hold the moisture and then release it. You know, and like lava rock works really yeah. well as a in filters for for aquariums yeah. or, for, mm-hmm. or for ponds because mm-hmm. it has so much air, so much pocket and surface space for bacteria to grow on. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I have lava rock in my filter that's in my pond, yeah. uh, along with some bio balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's a great filter material. Well, and the soil perfector <clears throat> by Spoma that you mentioned. Uh, I mean, it is a porous rock also. I mean, that's, and it's mm-hmm. there for, you know, to, to increase yeah. the drainage. Of course, now we also use it for some uh, some vole protection. Yeah, we yeah. sure do. You know, if yep. you're planting a nice hosta and you don't have the basket to put it in, you can dig your hole and line your hole with this uh, soil perfector. That does work really well. And it, it really helps. As long as you, you, yeah. you need to use enough, though, <laughs> that's right. instead of like, oh, sprinkle, handful here, handful no. there. That, no, you got to really actually surround, dig the hole, surround the... Uh, inside of the hole with it yeah i usually when i dig it i'll fill it almost mm-hmm. with the soil perfector yeah. and then dig a little pocket out in there add my soil and hosta back into that so it's actually mm-hmm. looks like it's growing through areas of just rock yeah I gotcha. the voles may get to the outside of it and chew mm-hmm. it off but you still got roots up inside you got your rock. core there that's going yeah. to keep growing yeah right yeah, yeah that's so much easier than cutting those black plastic pots oh, yeah. or having the lid. Well, then you have the lids ab- above the soil. It looks tacky. It does. It's horrible. But yeah. we've all tried all kinds of things, you know, and that soil perfector seems to be the best. Too bad <coughs> Mill Organ I doesn't work on that either. Yeah, no. not true. Hmm. I know. Gosh, y'all, if we could invent, invent 
a repellent that can, controls all this, wow, would we We'd just be, be doing retired? This broadcast from Hawaii. That's right. Yeah, we would be retired. <laughs> oh, and speaking of, we need to take a break. Stay with us. About that. We'll be back to Mid South Gardening in just a minute. This is Mid South Gardening. Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. We had Pam Green text us a question. Wanting, was asking Jim how you get your night blooming cereus to bloom. Well, okay, of course it winters in the garage. You know, they are shade plants by nature. They, they don't grow out in full sun. And they're epiphytes. They attach to rocks or to trees or whatever. Um, so, you know, the soil just really needs to drain well. That's, that's a key it better, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's just not, hasn't evolved to tolerate wet. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that's a key thing. Um, and then come spring, I set it out and give it about four to five hours of sunlight. Morning sun, Jim. Um, this gets it from probably 10 to three. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. This, it gets pretty bright sun. Now, it changes the color of the foliage to a more red. Mm-hmm. It's you see some that are luscious green that have never been out in the sunlight. Um, and in fact, there was a, a post here just a, a week or so ago. A lady had thirty-five blooms one night on hers. You know, it's the most she had ever had. In fact, I'm going to swap her a cutting of mine for one of hers. <laughs> Absolutely, you are because it's she's got a different one uh, that I one that I don't have. So, um, but anyway, um, I give it four or five hours of sunlight, and it's bloomed uh, probably 12, 15 times already this summer. Uh, And it's got two flowers coming now, you know, and I lose a few flowers. I put on a couple of buds that that just wasted away. Um, But it's, uh, and probably tonight or maybe tomorrow night, I'll have two. Uh, so for her right now, should she expose it to more light yeah, or give it sun? A little more, possibly, you know, yeah. if you, because it's if it hasn't been in the sun, then don't give it hot, hot sun. You know, just mm-hmm. an hour or two will probably be all right without causing it to uh, really <coughs> sunburn, discolor it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sunburn it. So, uh, but that's it. You know, it's it's fairly easy. to Do grow. you get those from from like pass along plants from cuttings, or they're actually well, for the a first sale one, now? The first one I got was was from a pass along. I've had mm-hmm. it for ten years or so. A uh, lady gave yeah. me a cutting of it when I was working out at Dan West, and uh, and it's done quite well. You yeah, know? Uh, it's not the most attractive plant. No, it's not right. exactly. But it is, uh, but it, but it does. It's really fascinating mm-hmm. to see the blooms. No, but you yeah. you can't expect a bloom every year, can you? Jim? Oh yeah, yeah. You should. Is that because you think you're giving that that good light? I you think know that so. really helps more than anything. That that's that's important. Yeah, the drainage, uh, plenty of water when it's beginning to set flower. Yeah, they they'll need to bump up the water a little bit then. Yeah, uh, I think because out of all the recommendations and things that i've heard on on the serious plant and then my mother had one too but i wouldn't paying attention then but the difference is what you just said with the light the yeah. amount of light and even it didn't matter if it was midday sun so uh 
light sounds like a big key right there. It is a big key. But, Mm -hmm. you know, remember that they have evolved in the shade of other stuff. So Mm -hmm. full sun all the time is not going to give you the best-looking plant. But it does stress it some, which makes it want to reproduce and set a few more flowers. And then in the wintertime, you have it in the garage where it's not going to freeze. That's right. But you still like to keep it cool. And I keep a light on it, you know. Mm -hmm. I have a little greenhouse-type heater that comes on if it gets... You know, in in the air temperature drops below fifty two or right. so, uh, but I let it get fairly cool in there. So, well, now we should all have a cactus garden because we've just given you a lot of great information on that. But yeah. you know, the cactus soil that is available, you still need to kind of discern what what it is because uh, they're definitely not all alike. Like the one I use at work, I really. probably going to add some more sand to it yeah you you know know? and take a look at the soil that it's in when if you have a cactus and try to get as close to that as you can making it Mm -hmm. drain a little better is okay okay (laughs) but you don't want to get a heavier soil around the outside where you're getting when you water part of it dries faster than the other that's uh, that's just going to lead you to issues so try to get the soils to match as well as possible yeah, I'm actually liking the cactus more because I did not know there were that many varieties. And so we're starting to get oh. into the different hey, ones. talk yeah. to Mr. Paul, you know, the, our succulent guy. You know, I mean, when I see a succulent, I think of cacti. When I see mm-hmm. cacti, I think of succulents, okay? Yeah. And, and they got some beautiful ones at the Botanic Garden plant sales, some really unusual things. Right. And lots and lots of them. So to oh, get a chance to get out it's there. It's going to be torture because I need to stay at work instead <laughs> of go look at all that. that this Please. is torture. I don't even know if I want anybody to send me pictures. I don't know if I can handle the jealousy oh that gives me something to do yeah, after no, i leave here no, no, I, just I took gave about 50 pictures, <laughs> good pictures too so <laughs> well we're going to run but we'll be right back after these messages Garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. We're going to answer your garden questions today, 844-747-8868. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yeah, and I'm Kenneth with uh, Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim. And Jim. And Jim. <laughs> yeah, that's all he needs. <laughs> and guys, if you want to give us a call. What you the eating over there? I found a package of M&M's. M&M's. And he is just tearing them up, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm about to. <laughs> Phone oh, numbers? So 901. champions. Yeah. I'll M&M's. trade you my coffee. For, no, I'll keep my coffee. Yeah. Go ahead. No, okay, we can Jim. get some. Are you trying we'll get to be serious anyway. over there? Kenneth? Yeah, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. Or, like Veda said, 844-747-8868. You can get us uh, in touch with us that way. And, of course, you can go to Facebook Live, mm-hmm. uh, the Mighty 990, and shoot us a text like a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. Like it that way, too. So um, now I'm thinking about shrubs again. I love shrubs and perennials and... Uh, annuals too yeah but we all do veda but yeah. there are some plants that we need to be careful with 
careful? Well, yeah. I was going to tell you about some plants that you need to love. Well, then we can go. I think we should go careful first. And, you know, one of them was, was mint, you know, which. Oh, yeah. I love mint. I love mint even as a ground cover, but mm-hmm. some people don't, right? Right. So if you ever buy mint, uh, you know, a lot of people grow it in containers because they know it loves to move around, you know, so just yeah. be careful, you know, with your mint. That's true. You know, I'm thinking about putting together a list of plants that should come with warning label. Yeah, well, agree. You know, to put yeah. on the, on the uh, Facebook group. Yeah. That um, would be good. Yeah. Because you know. nobody thinks about how the mint's going to be in your entire garden. Yeah. And, right. You know, and... Uh, so many people buy hutenia just by colors. You can't even say that word on the radio, Jim. I know, but yeah. it, it will it is spread. Absolutely yeah. beautiful <laughs> in a container. It does. Where it can't get out of. I love it. But it will get out. Somehow it'll get out. And we're talking about the chameleon plant, which yeah. is, uh, it's a, like I said, it's a beautiful plant uh, if you can keep it contained. In fact, there's, there's a house uh, off of Shady Grove, and it's a raised concrete bed uh, mm-hmm. it's got a circular drive and this bed is you know the circle of the drive right and that, it's got a japanese maple in the center of it and the chameleon plant is a ground cover in there mm-hmm. and it's absolutely beautiful but it's encased by concrete it is right? encased oh, okay. by concrete and surrounded by a concrete <laughs> circular drive because if it gets out of there i'm telling you guys yeah. it, it is it's, it's something else as mm-hmm. in fact it is the only plant i know of that definitely needs to come mm-hmm. with the warning label True. The other one's bamboo. You know, bamboo gets a bad rap. I love bamboo also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are bamboos that love to move around. Mm-hmm. And your neighbors might not appreciate the bamboo that you have in your yard that's now taking over their backyard, right? You right? Know, for some reason, they don't understand <laughs> property lines. They do not, Jim. <laughs> well, they need that, that other class before they get to our garden center. <laughs> um, another one is the... Um, you know, wisteria. Uh, and see, that's another. I mean, a lot of these get bad names. You know, wisteria mm-hmm. is a beautiful blooming vine, okay? Now, can it get away from you if you just don't ever pay any attention to it? Yeah. But can it be a beautiful vine with great looking blooms in the spring? It absolutely it, can. It can yeah, even be a tree form. If you'll stick to the native wisterias, they're not nearly as aggressive as the old as Chinese the or Japanese. Japanese right. or Chinese. You yeah, know how you tell the difference on those two? Yeah, how? Because the Chinese, when it climbs a plant, it is it climbs clockwise. The Japanese climbs counterclockwise. You are kidding me. No. I don't believe that. Well, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Veda, well, we're going to we're gonna have to double check this guy here. <laughs> All right. Counterclockwise is the uh, ja- Chinese. Yes. Counter- I think I've got that right. I hear you. But now I've messed you up. Yeah, by doing they are this. different. That one, is amazing. One curls one way, one curls the other. Wow. Uh, that I is, would love to know that reason, and one day I'm sure we will. And here's <laughs> one that I don't agree with at all: is mm-hmm. the, <coughs> excuse me, the mimosa tree. No, because you love mimosas. Well, my wife told me years Trees. ago to go find me a mimosa tree, and I went around a pond and dug one up mm-hmm. and brought it back and leaned it up against the fence for a week and finally planted it and grows like a weed, right? Uh-huh. But in my case, though, y'all, I've, I haven't had a lot of mimosas germinating right. under or around this particular mimosa. No. I know. So that's it's all the neighbors downwind. Well, maybe. <laughs> Good point. You know how seeds go 400 miles and land yeah. on a carrier in the ocean. Uh, and, I, and I got one more. And, of course, I, we all agree with this one is the old-fashioned Bradford pear. Uh, oh. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it splits. It's weak. Uh, it's just. Uh, yeah, so that one's not invasive. No, but it's. But it's 
it's a it's a, still not, not a, a tree that you really want. Yeah. And then it's got that god awful smell when they're blooming in the in the spring. And I'm, my neighbor kind of corner to my mm-hmm. backyard, he's still got two or three back there that uh, that borders his back property line. And them things will be in full bloom in the spring. And, and they're start, spectacular. They are. Yeah. When they bloom, they're beautiful. But then you go out there when that, that bloom is kind of fading a little bit and you smell that mm-hmm. bloom like dirty socks. I never know. Oh, man. It is, I don't know it is what horrible. dirty socks smell like. <laughs> so just, I did not know they smelled like that. And then, um, you know, those are just some that, I, that I'd written down last mm-hmm. night. So, I mean, all we're getting at is... There are plants that people love, and there's nothing wrong with any of these plants other than maybe than Bradford pear, which I wouldn't give you one. Um, Thank you. But you just some of these plants you just got to be a little careful with, or be aware of what you're getting when you're getting it, especially when it comes. And think about your neighbors too, especially when it comes to that bamboo. You know, I am going to try some bamboo though. In containers, but it's the clumping kind. And I love them in well, containers. I've got, uh, in fact, this year I planted a clumping one in the yard, mm-hmm. um, and it's grown considerably. I was surprised that it would do much at all this year. Uh, I have a, a beautiful running one, but it is in a container. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it it makes a great pot plant, evergreen, you know. Now, this mm-hmm. past winter, it got killed totally to the ground, uh, which and normally it doesn't cold. do. But um, it's come back. It's over six seven feet tall now yeah uh, see i can see how beautiful. we make gardening harder on ourselves though yeah oh yeah because i want the bamboo because yeah. of the movement and that's the thing you just need to realize that thinning and pruning <clears throat> and weeding yeah. are all parts of gardening uh they're equally as important even if right. you plant natives you still have to do that because you you're in a suburban location yeah now, you know, you said you planted some clumping bamboo yes. uh, in uh, in the ground yeah, in your this backyard. One, this one gets to about 50 feet tall. Now, are you concerned about keeping it in check, though, even no. though it is a clumping, no. you know? Uh, where it is, it's, you know, if it spreads six inches a year, Who it, cares? I'll be dead before it gets to the neighbor's house. You know, right. so then they can worry with it. So. You know, I used to, I remember, I remember trying to sell tree or selling trees and to especially the younger homeowners. Yeah. And they never wanted to buy a tree because they weren't going to live there very long. Uh-huh. And I yeah. was thinking, well, what about the people after you? And then you're probably going to move into a place that somebody planted a tree years oh, yeah. ago. So you could stand in the shade now, but you're not going to plant a tree because you're not going to be there very long. Yeah, oh, no, we're, we're sitting in the I shade know. because of somebody else. No doubt about exactly. it. Exactly. Remember that saying you used yeah. to have all the time? Well, I think Warren Buffett said it, but I can't remember it now. You know, thank you for someone who planted a tree years ago so you can sit in the shade now, but it was said so much more eloquently. But that's true. Nobody wants to plant a tree. Well, in fall is a good time to plant trees. I mean, you know, can you plant a tree any day of the year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you plant shrubs any day of the year? You really can. But the optimal times to do it, of course, are spring and fall. Mm -hmm. Fall is a wonderful time. A lot of people don't get that because you got winter coming up, but you still are having a root system. Your root system is still growing through the winter. Right. You know, so if you plant it in the fall, yeah. you've got the fall, the winter, and the spring to create a good root system before it gets hot mm-hmm. next summer. Mm-hmm. Like in the northern areas, though, the the roots don't grow um, as as or, aggressive as yes, they do down south. Right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And it's that's why a lot of people up in the northern areas don't plant in the winter time because it never gets established enough to tolerate those hard freezes. And then people come down here and really um, reserved 
because I, I get a lot of questions. You can actually plant now in the fall here, and then they go, what about the winter? Doesn't it kill it? And so here we're lucky enough to be able to do that and still get four seasons, mm-hmm. barely. But we do get four seasons, <laughs> and they're all in one month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True that. Well, and then another thing, guys, that I'd written down to talk about um, is – and we've talked about this many times before, but it's, it's fairly important, especially with people putting a lot of grass seed down this time of year. You know, the mm-hmm. fescues they'll put down in the shade. Uh, it's just simple pH. I was talking to a guy yesterday. He had a uh, Bermuda lawn, uh, and he's done everything right. He, he cuts it when it needs to be cut. He, you know, weed eats it. He edges it. Uh, he waters it. He feeds it about every six weeks through the growing season. And it's still just not that deep green that he's looking for. So I asked him yesterday, I said, well, what about lime? When's the last time you put any lime down or had a pH test run? He went, what'd you just say? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he said, you know, I've never put lime on my yard and I've never had a pH test run. Uh, And it could be something just as simple as raising that pH. Sure sounds like it. It does. Because it's just not getting that green. Right. everything. Exactly right. So... You know, pH typically typically is not a live-or-die situation, but it can make a big difference in the overall appearance, mm-hmm. especially when we're talking about just a good-looking lawn. Now, yeah. you know, certain shrubs and plants want a higher or lower pH, but typically the lawns around here, anywhere from 6'2 to 6'8, 6'5 being really where you want to be. So he's going to bring some soil in. We're going to do a pH test and just see where that soil is. And I guarantee you guys that soil is going to be acidic Yeah. to where, you know, he needs to get that lime down to raise that pH to where when he puts the fertilizer down, he can actually get the benefits of the fertilizer yeah. that he puts down. Well, we're going to head to a break, but when we come back, we could um, also talk about while you're liming your yard, what's in your garden that could use some handfuls of it too or in your landscape. So give us a call at 844-747-8868, and we'll be right back. Call with your garden questions now, 844-747-8868. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening. Gardening. Good morning. Welcome to Mid South Gardening. Take two. Yeah, take two. <laughs> if you have gardening questions, give us a call 844 747 8868. Or you can give us a call 901 260 Of course, that's the local number. And then a lot of people go to Facebook Live and go to the Mighty 990 and shoot us a text uh, right there, Miss Veda, Mr. Jim. Yeah, like to hear from any of our listeners down at uh, in in Greenville, Mississippi, at WNIX uh, affiliate. Yeah, love to hear from you this morning. Heck yeah, give us a call. Yeah. Free call. What's going on there? We want to know what's going there and what's going on in even Chattanooga. We got Chattanooga friends yep. up there. We got our friends over at Nuga Radio on. So please give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what your issues are. Yeah. And we were talking about pH. What does pH mean? It means... I want to say particles of hydrogen, but I think Jim corrected me the last time I said that. Potential hydrogen ions. That's right. 
potential, potential hydrogen. Not I think we were particles. together when he corrected his bow. Yeah, yeah. we're like, yeah. okay. Uh, but that's why I'm here. But yeah, pH. We need a corrector. <laughs> typically around here, we want pH to be, you know, the slightly lines? acidic yeah. on most okay. things. Yeah. Um, well, it, you know, even on. <clears throat> Vegetable gardens, it's still slightly acidic. It sure it is, yes. Right. You know, very few things like soil that's above neutral. Which is seven, right? Some will <clears throat> tolerate it. Okay. What, what would tolerate above Maybe seven? Maybe a lilac. Well, Maybe uh, a clematis. Well, and, and I think some of the barberries will actually, oh, really? they'll nice. actually raise the pH themselves if it's not suitable. I just love that, how plants mm, can yeah. do that. Um, mm. They'll <laughs> tolerate much more. So, some of the grasses particularly um, like a pH at Six or above head. neutral. Mm-hmm. But most everything that we grow here, all the natives and the things that we the like, hollies. like hollies, azaleas, mm-hmm. and that, are going to want a pH around 5.5 to 6. Right. And then when you got, you have vegetable gardens, most perennial gardens, annuals, um, boxwood, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. clematis. They're going to want a pH up closer to six and a half. Well, let me ask you this though, Jim Arveda, is and I've heard you say before, Jim, Mother Nature doesn't like you messing with pH, messing with her soil. But but yeah. here in Memphis, I mean, our soils typically are going to be slightly acidic. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess it takes years for soils to become more acidic. It's not going to happen overnight. Doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you put lime down to raise the pH, usually what forty pounds of lime per thousand square feet, about half a point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go back in two or three years and check that same plot, if you will. Uh, so and it can be acidic again, or, mm-hmm. or it can be going down again. I mean, and I guess my point is, just because you get the pH up where it, you want it or where it needs to be doesn't mean that you don't ever go back out there and right. check again because yeah. right. typically about every two or three years you might add you might have to add a little lime to keep that pH up right where it particularly needs. if you're fertilizing because most fertilizer tends to lower your pH okay things like mm-hmm. milorganite don't most of yeah. these spoon products don't other than their azalea food which is geared to lower the pH mm-hmm. we don't always need an azalea food here in Memphis Okay, because our pH is already close to what it likes. Now, yeah. You get over into uh, Chattanooga and Knoxville and some areas where it may have more alkaline, although still slightly acidic. Right. Um, they need to that sulfur get that pH that, down a little. Yeah. So that's where the azalea food comes in handy. But I've seen mere acid, particularly the liquid, way overused mm-hmm. in our soil here. Gosh, that that was used a tremendous amount years and yeah, years ago. Yeah, you know, and it was, was like a 30, 10, 10 formula. It's yeah. lots and lots of nitrogen, very quick release of nitrogen. Um, but it also dropped your pH rather substantially mm-hmm. uh, in short term. Right. So, and sometimes short term is just long enough to have a plant suffer from some deficiency because the pH was incorrect. Um, but also that's why we say lime, always check your pH, but lime your yard like every two years. Well, on two average, years. that's yeah. probably right. Yeah. And then boxwoods, you know, I'm glad you mentioned boxwoods because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't 
think that boxwoods want that more alkaline soil for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, just because you see them kind of with the zellies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but they they like that pH up. In fact, a lot of people will put a little lime around their boxwoods. I think in the Mid South Garden Guide mm-hmm. uh, years ago, they said lime them every year. Yeah. You yeah. know. Uh, the same thing with the ivy, you know, uh, beds of English ivy. They like that pH up. Of course, roses, clematis, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the lawn. A lot of those things right. want that pH up where it, where uh, six around six two, six eight, six five. Like I said, being ideal. Yeah. And you need to, you know, check your pH. Really, you ought to check it every year. Um, you know, on things that you might be the least bit concerned about. You know, as we've talked about before, the buffering pH is equally as important to know. Most people won't because it tells you how much lime you actually need to get it up to that point. Right. As a rule of thumb, we tell people forty pounds will do a half, will raise it a half a point, but it may not. Okay. Right. If your buffering pH is low, so you need to check it just periodically. But you are putting lime down. That's the most important thing. Is that you do. Uh, that you do it. it's just like mm-hmm. fertilizing you know turn the bag around don't let them see the label it's the fertilizer that's important not the label on the front <laughs> this is so true it used to be the label was the big thing but yeah now fertilizers and all have you changed know, a lot so. i mean you know i'm sitting here across from two retailers but the fact is you know when you walk in and there are 27 different varieties of fertilizer it's because you'll buy it <laughs> so there <laughs> we'll be back to miss south gardening in just a minute <laughs> Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have some gardening questions, give us a call toll-free, 844-747-8868 or 901-260-5926. And uh, we have a caller from Olive Branch. It's David. Good morning, David. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Hello, David. How are y'all this morning? Oh, we're good. good. Hey, Dave, I don't know why we couldn't get you on. We got you now, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, good, because I pulled over. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, hey um, I've got, from my patio to my to my pool, I've got a walkway. And on either side, I've got like four feet wide by about 20 feet long. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to plant dwarf mondo grass, but it's full sun, and I was told, no, it's not going to mm-hmm. survive. So I've heard about dianth- dianthus, because mm-hmm. um, I, I love that, that thick low-growing um, look. Mm-hmm. How, so a couple questions. Uh, what type will maintain that low-growing look and consistent? And then I want to put like three, I don't know, uh, some type of hollies or something, mm-hmm. like three plants on either side just to break that, that look up. Right. Mm-hmm. So how far apart do I plant these yeah. to get the most denseness as soon as possible? And when I plant some type of holly or shrub in there, how invasive will dianthus be on the shrub? Mm-hmm. Well, dianthus definitely won't be invasive on the shrub at all. And for that amount, personally, I wouldn't plant all dianthus because they seem to have, um, sometimes they rot in the middle. Sometimes they do great. 
Uh, maybe a couple of patches of it would be good. But the other one you had mentioned, that will take sun. Well, first of all, I've seen dwarf mondo grow in full sun mm-hmm. all my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it does just as well in full sun as it does filtered sun. Right. As long as you've got good drainage out there, Dave. So don't think you can't grow dwarf mondo in full sun because you absolutely can. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are other small ground covers also, uh, whether it's, um, you know, creeping juniper. Yeah, yeah, Mazis. Yeah, I mean, full sun like that, he's got a perfect place for, for a, a sedum. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that just reeks sedum to me. Um, yeah, that too. You know, and I like the uh, sedums, particularly because they grow across the top of the ground, they're not quite as picky as things that have to go through the ground and right. then come up, um, like Mondo. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so you'll get quicker, better coverage for a lot less money with with a sedum. And there's some beautiful, very low ones. Uh, there's some that are colorful uh, in bright yellows mm-hmm. um, that, that you can mix blues and greens. Uh, that would be my way to go. And they're going to be evergreen. And you know, the, thing, the thing you're going to have to watch by putting any shrubs in there is what shade will it cast on those plants as it gets larger you know full sun loving plants are going to fade wherever it's totally shaded. and david mentioned putting some hollies in there but i mean it could be some dwarf yopon hollies right. you know something mm-hmm. that's going to stay pretty small that you can just mm-hmm. kind of shape like a ball yeah. kind of break it up a little bit or even some of the distillium if you wanted to have a, a different look than that just hollies yeah. right. yeah. a little you know, more openness what's the the blue one that's the blue cascade. blue cascade and there's another one called solo now yeah right yeah so, so yeah so we're saying so dave i mean there again i mean don't think that you first of all can't put dwarf mondo in there because you sure can uh, okay. and, and like Jim said, you know, these sedums, there's so many different mm-hmm. sedums on the market that are absolutely beautiful. Uh, and they love, you know, as much sun as you can possibly give them. I mean, as long as you got decent drainage out there, that's the most important thing. And yeah. the, the fact that if you can take a second mortgage out on your house to plant the Mondo. <laughs> yeah, 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 that Mondo's expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with the little ones, because you've got a really big area there. Yeah, and, and Mondo spreads so slowly, the closer mm-hmm. you put them together, the faster you're going to get results. If you put them out at 12 inches apart, mm. you're not ever going to see them in your lifetime <laughs> right. filled. <Yeah. laughs> so you're gonna and they can be like $2 a pod, $1.50 a pod. Yeah, so you, you want to get them in as, just as tight as you can afford. Yeah, because yeah. sedum, like you were saying, sedum, you can space like 12 inches apart, and they're going to spread. Yeah, in two seasons, you're going to have a yeah. solid you, know, you could path. do Asian jasmine. I mean, that's a, oh, a yeah. vine and all, but it's really hardy yeah, as well. If you're right, and David, I know you are still pulled over, but if, if you put a vine in there, you know, a ground-covered vine, whether it's vinca minor or Asiatic jasmine, even English ivy to some extent, you're going to have to keep it maintained. Yeah. You have to keep it trimmed to keep it from spreading out of that bed. So, you know, just be a little aware of, of the viney type, you know, ground huggers. Okay, so you're thinking uh, economically, sedum might be a good way to go, but absolutely, uh, that's gonna that's gonna like creep onto my on, onto the concrete walkway. Just make sure it just keep just trim it back. Yeah, yeah and that'd yeah. be easy to do right. on that. Because it doesn't creep much on the concrete. It yeah, won't be desirable. Yeah, I mean, you know, once a month or every six weeks, you go by right. with your weed eater and it's done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, and guys, then, love the show. Thanks so much for your input. I appreciate it. Hey, oh, thanks welcome, for calling. Dave. Thanks for calling. Thanks, David. And if you're needing a lot of varieties, you might uh, call ahead to some of the garden centers or even put an order in. Yeah, yeah. right. 
No, I mean, I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, racking my head that, you know, what, I mean, that's weird. Else? I mean, and I, I can just envision him walking down the walkway, mm-hmm. and he's got those two beds on either side of the walkway, 20 foot long, about four foot wide, like you said, which is pretty wide, four foot wide on each side. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. and you don't have to fill it up. I right. mean, you can just kind of stagger those things in there and then come back and lightly mulch the beds in. I mm-hmm. mean, even that look yeah. is going to look great. And eventually it'll cover over. Right. Yeah. I, I, at one house, I planted the feather grass on the, down each side of a walkway. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. It turned out looking so nice. But, of course, the feather grass is taller. You know, there's like six names for feather grass. That's why we have such a hard time sometimes discussing plants yeah because you're talking about this and and i'm talking about this and they're not even the same but um the botanic name is why because a lot of people have asked why is there botanical names and and he mentioned and mark hang on just a second he mentioned you know the the dianthus the perennial dianthus Mm -hmm. which usually makes somewhat of a mound yeah uh, and it will spread slowly but it's not like a ground cover per se well it it can be i've got a little one that's a little dwarf one and i i some right now cannot remember the name of it and the, the foliage is bright blue mm-hmm. blue all kind of grayish long. blue yeah yeah uh and it's it has spread quite well has a beautiful little white flower with a touch of red in it uh, but it does like veda said get dead spots in you it can. occasionally yeah. yeah so and you have to wait for it to fill back in yeah so but it is it it's a gorgeous ground cover and, and then really let me is. say this real quick also there's also the creeping flocks you know that a lot of people forget about uh, you know it's a truly a ground hugger yeah. uh, extremely hardy perennial and it blooms at one time in the early spring but even when it's not blooming, you still have that green foliage. Yeah. Uh, so pretty. creeping flocks is another perennial that's mm-hmm. a very low grower that's extremely hardy, right. easy to grow. Mm-hmm. And then what I was saying about a lot of people ask about the why do plants have botanical names on it? And it's because what we were talking about, feather grass has like six different names. So if somebody asks for ponytail grass, I'm going to go, no. But we've got this feather grass, and they're going to go, no. But if you have the botanic name, right. then you know you're both talking about right. the same plant. Usually. There's so many different. That's true, too. That's starting to so change them, up. <laughs> so many of them are changing now that we can DNA sequence a plant mm-hmm. and find that, you know, like we talked about um, what we used to think was a split-leaf philodendron. Turns out it's not a philodendron at all. <laughs> it is now Talmatophilum bipenidifidum. Yeah, and so, I say that twice without right. your head spinning. Yeah. And you thank know. goodness I don't care it about just, that. It just looks like a philodendron. <laughs> it blooms like a philodendron. So everybody thought, well, it must be a philodendron. And I'm going to keep calling it a philodendron because right. I can't say philophile anymore. So a lot <laughs> of these plants are constantly changing. And they mm-hmm. go back and they do research and find, hey, well, this guy in 1622 s- described this plant three years before yeah. this guy did. So it goes back to the first name, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if it's applicable, you know. But then some of these that have been, like we say, named for years, we're finding as we sequence it, they're not related. Mm-hmm. So they're getting either a new one or they're putting them in different categories. Uh, you know, and I've seen them move in and out, you know. If we thought it was this. Well, no, it's not. But now maybe we think it is, so we bring it back. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, this DNA <laughs> sequencing is sure going to change a lot of knowledge it, it that is. we did have. Yeah. So we're going to have to keep up with it. I mean, we're just trying to keep gardening simple. Yeah. Come on. Even just so, naming plants can so be. So simple is I'm just going to call it by the common name, and I'm still going to call a split-leaf philodendron. <laughs> 
He split leaf philodendron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if eventually I'll have some young uh Millennial or Gen Z, or I'll say Gen Z, because they're really young, coming in and correcting soon, oh. I'm sure, because they're really into these house yes, plants. They are. And, and they're asking for them in these certain botanic names, and I'm going, just don't do that to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, we're going to head to a break, and we've got Mark on and John on, so we're going to get y'all after the break. We can take more questions too, 844 747 8868. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, we'll sure take them. 844-747-8868. And we have Mark that's called in. Good morning, Mark. How's everybody today? We're great, Mr. Mark. Appreciate the phone call, buddy. Good. Hey, what I was calling back real quick. Uh, this past week we had uh, had a sewer line repaired out of our front yard. And uh, so now I'm just left with a front yard of dirt. Mm. So I didn't know at this time of year what would be the best thing to do as far as grass do i yeah. reseed it mm-hmm. do i put down sod what kind of a recommendations would y'all have was well, it sunny or shady right um i get about uh, about five hours worth of sun okay you know, I mean, typically, sod. You can, yeah. you can, but you know, most people when they put sod down, they want to see it really pretty and green, you know, and mm-hmm. really flush when they're putting that sod down. Uh, but you can put put sod down, you know, year round, really. But you know, what most people I think would do this late in the season is they would either put uh, annual rye down now. Mm-hmm. Uh, rye grass is just going to be just a winter grass. I mean, it's, it comes up in no time. It's easy to grow. It's going to burn out next summer. But when it starts to burn out next summer, uh, it's about the time to come back and either put either Bermuda or Zoysia down, whether it's seed or mm-hmm. sod. Uh, now, like Veda said, John, if, uh, I mean, Mark, if you can find some good-looking sod, you can still sod this time right. of year. Yeah, it'll be partially, it'll be still green, really. To some extent. Yeah, yeah, um, and then, which is it, fine. It can be brown when you put it down, too. Um, like, for me, I would probably sod. But but if yeah. you don't want to sod uh, this late in the season, and you know you want to put seed down just to, because it's cheaper, even if you want to put seed down next year, um, use the ryegrass. Use the ryegrass yeah. this time of year, uh, Mark, just to get you through the fall, the winter, and the spring. And then around mid-May of next year, uh, or at least mid-May, maybe even late May, early June, uh, you can start putting something like Bermuda seed down, or you could come back and sod at that time. Okay. Yeah, but I wonder, right. Bermuda, five hours of sun. Yeah, it'd I be borderline. And, you know, as trees grow, I'd put zoysia in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go with the zoysia sod. And if you don't want to sod now, ryegrass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that, that helps me out a lot. My neighbors look at me now and go, you know, you've ruined the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing with the dirt they do. yard? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, just rough it up really good, Mark. You know, sow that seed out there, uh, a pound per hundred square feet. Come back and lightly rake it in. Keep it moist. It'll be up in a week's time, and you'll have the best-looking lawn from now till you know, next uh, early summer. And but then, you will have to mow all winter. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> not that much. It's really not yeah. that not much. Not like in the summer, right? Yeah. All right, okay. Mark. Hope we All helped right. you Thank good. You Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Thanks buddy. for the call. 
Yes, we mowing. We had uh, John call in a minute ago, too. No, John's back, back up. Oh, he's yeah. back up? Okay, hey, good. Hey, John, thanks for calling back. How can we help you? Uh, good morning. I want to know what is the best time of year to plant a 15-gallon cherry tree. Well, we all agree now. Right now. But any time's good, but the big key for you on a cherry tree is is how you plant it because mm-hmm. they really need good drainage. Better have it. Yeah. So um, definitely you're going to want to mix in some compost into your soil. Dig your hole twice as big as the root ball. And you go just as deep and twice as wide. Yeah, yeah. just as deep and twice as wide. Um, I like to mix in like the permatil or the enlightenness, which we call it, which helps with the drainage even more. And you want to plant with the root ball maybe an inch above the soil level. As or three it is inches. Now. Yeah, yeah, let's go three inches. <laughs> yeah, yeah Jim. Yeah, three inches because they really need that drainage. Yeah, that way, you know, bring your soil up to it, but not on top of the ball. So it just looks like it's planted on a little hill. That way, when we get these long rains, that hole's going to fill up with water, but you've got three inches of soil that's above that that's going to have air in it. Cherries are very intolerant of totally saturated soil, mm-hmm. and it will die if you mm-hmm. plant it in at ground level. Now, don't put mulch up on the trunk, nothing on the trunk. Just bring your soil up to it, okay? And uh, and, and when we talk about digging one twice as wide, you're, you're only going to go as deep as a pot right where the pot is. You want to mm-hmm. make it more bowl-shaped, That's okay, right. so that yeah. you're more shallow. Uh, as you get away from the plant. That way, when roots come out of that root ball, they hit a harder soil and eventually move up to the surface where they want to be. So it just helps the plant guide the roots mm-hmm. towards the surface. Yeah, it makes the soil easier yeah. at the top for the roots to go out. Now, so if you can find, John, what you're looking for, fall probably is the absolute best time to plant a cherry tree. Yeah. Uh, early spring would be the next optimal time. Uh, but regardless of when you plant it, I don't care if you plant it midsummer, you, you've got to make sure, like Jim and Vader were talking about, that you've got really good drainage because that's the first thing that's going to kill a cherry is excessive moisture. And I would seriously look for that permatil or that enlightened. Yeah. That's that rock that we mix in with the soil. Creates fantastic drainage. Like Jim was saying earlier, the roots have somewhere to go because they need you know a little bit of oxygen and air. So mix that in with your soil. And sometimes you can find products that have the permatil or the enlightened mixed with it. But I really think you should use that along with compost. Yeah, and of course, it, one of the most important things with survival for cherry trees here in the Mid-South is keeping an eye on it for borers. They are very susceptible to the lesser peach tree borer. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the ones like now, we were talking a minute ago off air about the ones along Cherry Road in front of the Botanic Gardens here. Um, you know, they, they only last... You know, at best 35 or 40 years before they really start going backwards. And if you don't watch them every year mm-hmm. for bores, you're going to shorten that substantially. Yeah. yeah. And so the way, because they are very susceptible for, for bores, like you said, but the drainage helps. Oh, yeah. Anything you can do not to have them stress, right. then yeah. keeps the tree full of energy, which makes it harder for the boars to actually penetrate the into gospel the, according to Veda. Yeah, yeah gospel. And John, any particular <laughs> variety that you're planning on planting? No, all I know is just a cherry tree. It's yeah. probably like no cherry tree now. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. I mean, as long as you've got really good drainage. And, you know, typically around here, you know, for the most part, you see the Kwansans yeah. and the uh, Yoshinos. The Yoshino is, okay. is that light blush color. Mm-hmm. And that Kwansan is that dark pink color. Yeah, you should go with only those two. 
Yeah. Well, what, what is what is a bore? It's okay. It's it's uh, it's kind of like a beetle, but when the, they they will winter in the ground at the base of the tree, and they'll they'll come up and they'll bore into the trunk, drilled into the. Once trunk. Once it gets in there, then it starts moving around the cambium layer, which disrupts the tissue that's carrying food from the leaves back to the roots. So when it sprouts in the spring, you get lots of growth, but then it can't get food to the roots and you begin to get roots to die off. Then you see the top die off. We can talk more about it right after this break. Welcome to Blueberry Fignet. <laughs> Jim, look what you made me say. I was trying to say welcome to Mid-South Gardening, and Jim said he had big blueberry fig newtons, and so I said welcome to Blueberry Fig Newtons. Yeah, this has been a problem in the plant industry is because the name is more important than the plant in marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The case and example that I like to use is this hydrangea that I've got that was originally released as Frau Rico yeah. didn't sell. Can't imagine yeah, I can't why. Imagine why. Yeah. They reintroduced it as Angel Eyes. So fine then. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here eating what they now call a fruit and grain bar. Mm-hmm. It used to be called a Fig Newton. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but the it's fruit and grain bar sounds so healthy. It does. It sounds you know? so much healthier. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Then Fig mm-hmm. Newton. What's a Fig Newton? Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I was in her processing that, and then all of a sudden it was time to go on there. So I'm like, welcome to the Blueberry Fig Newton Ooh. show. And what, and what a great show it is, Miss Yeah, because we were going to talk about blueberries anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but if Wait, you were, wasn't there... Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, one didn't need to... <laughs> Give the number. But what were we talking about before that I said we'd get back to after this? Boars. Thank you. On the okay, cherry tree, anyway, Johnny yeah. called in. Uh, but if you want to give us a call this morning, 844-747-8868 or locally, 901-260-5926. And, of course, you can always go to Facebook Live, shoot us a text. Uh, and then, Jim, you always say go to the KWAMradio.com. Yes, it's nationwide or worldwide. You can listen to us from, at KWAMradio.com. So tell your friends that live in Oregon who and wake them up and tell them to get on right. here. <laughs> but a lot of ways to get in touch with us are to listen to us, guys. Yeah. But we were talking about, John had called in about cherry trees. And his question was, when is the best time to plant a cherry tree? And we're like, you know, fall is really the one of the best times. Early spring would be the next optimal time. But don't even think you can still plant even midsummer. But we're saying as the, long as it's a container grown yeah, plant. But the biggest yeah. thing when you're planting, and you know, we say this, guys. You know, we say when we when you're especially planting a cherry, or if you're especially That's planting. Right you know, uh, a laurel or an azalea mm-hmm. or a pecan tree Dog or dogwood. Yeah. But, you know, it's especially true for anything that you plant around here with our clay soil. Right. It really is. For if the drainage and all. If drainage. you don't see it growing wild around here, plant it high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was also... Um, that uh, means Jim, above soil level. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Jim was talking about, you know, being on the lookout for boars. Uh, and John was like, okay, what are these little things? Uh, and they're an insect, like Jim was saying, that harbor in the ground, you know, at ground level. They climb up there and they bore into the trunk mm-hmm. of the tree. Don't know why I didn't want to kill a perfectly right. good-looking cherry tree, but well, they will. because it's stressed. You know? Because we planted it at the wrong place. Or we didn't plant it well enough. 
But there's all kinds of different boars, too. No, oh, there the are. One. Yeah. yeah. And there's dogwood boars. There's all kinds. Now, on yeah. cherry trees, I mean, do you want to just go ahead and be proactive and spray the trunks of those trees once a month for three months every year, starting in, say, that May? Or, or my preference is just drench them with a metacloprid. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's safe. Even if you bought a, a fruiting cherry tree, you can use it on it. And this um, is the uh, the tree and shrub insect drench. Insect drench. You do it, you know. Mix it and pour it. A lot of people say do it when you see the leaves come out. I'm an advocate of doing it prior to that. The reason is buds will not open on a plant until the sugars have moved up to give that energy to push the leaves and the bud out. That happens before the the um the foliage comes out. Mm-hmm. So if you put it down, as long as the ground is not saturated, soggy, or frozen, right. put it down in January, February, it moves with those sugars up to the top of the plant. So you're getting protected earlier than much, not. Much earlier, yeah. right. And it's going to last at least a year, right. uh, sometimes two. And, you know, uh, Leslie Hollinsworth, the, our local field inspector for um, Department of Agriculture says that they're finding it's lasting as long as three and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, where they're using it for um, the crate myrtle bark scale. Well, for the uh, boars. Yeah, in in uh, what's the y- other one we uh, use it for? White fly, lace bug, edelgoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in um, the what you say? Edelgoods. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, and they're spraying forests with it. So so honestly, so if you've got cherry trees, you're just going to be proactive mm-hmm. and make a solution of this tree and shrub drench mm-hmm. in at least every two years, pour it right around the trunk of this tree uh, to control potential boards right. because no one, especially as they get older. And if you don't plant right in the first place then you'll never, ever be able to control the boars because you can treat and treat as much as you can. Maybe you will kill the boars, but the p- tree is just going to stress for other reasons, too. So it's two things that we stress. Mm-hmm. One is good drainage or creating good drainage when you plant something like a cherry tree. Yeah. And secondly is watch out for boars because they are very susceptible. Some trees more than other ones, but cherries are very susceptible to these particular boards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we're putting it, we wouldn't put the soil drench down now for the maximum efficiency. You you could. you could yeah. because it would sit there until spring. It the binds to the soil, to the soil yeah. um, and so it, it it would be okay. But yeah. uh, I think, like you say, you'll get the greatest results if you'll plant it. Do it mm-hmm. January or as late as leaf comes out. Yeah, and boars can get in lots of trees anyway. Some trees they're they're not going to get into. Well, I don't know. Don't boars pretty much get every, can a attack lot, every yeah. tree? But it'll control scale. It'll control um, uh, white flies, maybe mm-hmm. bugs, thr- lace uh, thrips, bug, yeah. lace bugs, Good anything product. that's munching on it, other than caterpillars. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it it it's a great way to protect your ornamentals and a good many fruit trees most of the pitted fruits you can mm-hmm. use it on and think you know and also we've mentioned you know the crepe myrtle bark scale a hundred thousand times um uh, you know that's the product that we recommend for crepe myrtle bark scale uh, you know it's just if you read about crepe myrtle bark scale the oil sprays typically that we used to go to they're just not as effective on this crepe myrtle bark scale where the tree and shrub drench is effective mm-hmm. on it so mm-hmm. Keep that in mind also when you've got your crepe myrtles back there turning black because of the sooty mode, because of the scale, right? Right, exactly. Always something, but preventative is the best, but sometimes 
you know, preventative doesn't always keep it from happening, but it can help keep the population down a little bit or help the plant recover quicker as well while you're treating for insects and, and all of and that. And you said keeping the population down, which makes me think of this time of year, you know, we see just tons of white fly, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's on gardenias or some other plants that you have out there. You go out there and you, and you brush up against the plant and this cloud of white flies come flying out. I was talking to a lady just the other day. I said, yeah, you've got to get out there and spray to control these white flies. I said, but keep in mind, you're really spraying to keep the population down because yeah. you're not going to eliminate these white flies. You can't. You can kill every white fly you have and have a thousand more fly in the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like Japanese beetles when they're active, right? So, but sometimes you got to get out there, like Veda just mentioned, and you got to uh, keep the populations down to acceptable levels, knowing that you can't completely eliminate it. Right. Them. You know, I know things change so much, but. Oh, about three or four years ago, I think uh, it was, I read a study on how the seaweed helps the cells not divide on the white fly egg on the back of the foliage. But of course, you got to get the seaweed to the back of the foliage, though. Liquid seaweed. Yeah, but I did that like on a couple of gardenias that had it. I fertilized it, took the seaweed, sprayed the top, you know, sprayed underneath because it was only two gardenias. And really was able to reduce the population. Of course, I didn't get rid of it, but I went to her yard like every, every week. So once a week for three weeks, I'd sprayed and add a little fertilizer and got it controlled really well, but still not gone. No, and you'll never get rid of them all. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're protecting the plant. That's the key thing. You're always going to have them fly in from other areas. So don't think you're going to be white fly free. You're not. Yeah, but you just true. realize that your plant's okay. Yeah. And it's right. not being not having significant damage. Yeah. And, and a lot of plants, white flies get on, they're not going to do enough damage for you to even tell. That's so true. You they're, just they're just obnoxious. Yeah, they're in you know, I have a, a rather healthy case in, in my forty feet of cypress vine. Mm. But oh, yeah. you can't tell that they're bothering it. They're blowing yeah. their arms out, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm well, not going to spray. There's no need to. And I know we got Jamie, and we'll go to Jamie after the break. But it, it always raises when I when I think of white fly, and I've told you all this story before, it makes me think of being in my mother's backyard, cutting her grass, and she was overwintering, or she had overwintered mm-hmm. some of these poinsettias. Yeah. And she had two or three of them out there in containers just in a back bed. Well, these poinsettias were magnets for white fly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. So, you know, what I did, I got them and I threw them away, threw them in the compost pile without ever telling her. Of course, I know she knows who did it, but. And he has been removed from the will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I'm, but but there are certain plants that are more susceptible to yeah. white fly, you know, and, and the two that come to mind, are, are, of course, are the gardenias and the poinsettias. Right. And so, you know, a lot of people want to remove uh, a certain plant because they don't want fly, white flies to get all over everything. Say like your poinsettia that had the white flies. But if it was sitting in a bunch of hollies, white flies aren't going to really damage the hollies. No. You know, so a lot of times just because you have an insect on one plant doesn't mean it's going to get That's everything. True. So, uh, you know, got to run to a break. And then after this, we're going to talk to Jamie. But we would like to talk to you all also. So you can call 844-747-8868. Call and talk with Jim, Veda, and Ken now. 844-747-8868. This is Mid-South Gardening.
Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. If you have a gardening questions, give us a call, 844-747-8868. I'm Vader with Palladio. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder, retired nurseryman and administrator of the Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. Which is a great Facebook yes. group, by yes. the way. Check it out. And let's go to Jamie. Good morning, Jamie. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Mr. Mr. Jamie. How y'all doing? We're hey, doing we're great. Good. Jamie, good morning to you, buddy. What's going on? I missed you the last two weeks. I was out of town. Well, I have been too. And but I want you to know we're back full force and ready to answer your gardening questions or whatever you might have, but we're checking on y'all to make sure you're correct. Oh good, Jamie. Bless I'm you. glad y'all are out there. <laughs> we need all the help. Look, Mr. Paul and I have got a little packed here. We're gonna make sure that y'all on on line and <laughs> doing the right thing. So. That something? is so wonderful. Thank you, Jamie and Mr. Paul. We're so glad y'all are around to keep us in shape. We had, we had a nice vacation. We'll let y'all know we're home and we're listening, so y'all be safe. Yeah, right. y'all didn't pass each other in Florida? We didn't pass each other. I didn't, I didn't see Mr. Jamie. I wish I would have. Uh, <laughs> but, Jamie, it's nothing like, you know, uh, keeping Veda straight. You know, I mean, you need to listen <laughs> to him. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, he meant all of yeah, us. Yeah, right. All oh, I'm of sorry. us. Excuse me. Did I say your name? You I'm did. <laughs> you need all the help you can get. That's right. Well, Jamie, we love safe. We appreciate Thank it, you, buddy. Mike, Thank, Thank you, man. Thank you for calling Bye-bye. in. Okay, and um, let's go to Dell. Good morning, Dell. You're in the Mid South Garden. Good morning. Hey, Dale. Um, good morning. <laughs> How y'all doing? We're doing Great. okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mentioned my split leaf philodendron a uh, couple of w- a few weeks ago. Anyway, mm-hmm. and y'all were talking about it today. I've got to bring my philodendron inside, and I have to cut pieces off in order to do that. Yeah. Um. And I don't know how much to cut off and how to uh, root it. Or right. Well, well, are we, those tendrils coming down roots, air roots, or something? Are they, right. You've got air roots on it. Yeah, lots yeah. of them. Yeah, you can cut yeah, those they're off. They're about two feet long. Yeah, Pardon? you, you oh, can yeah. just cut those off. Normally, those would attach to uh, a tree to mm-hmm. help it climb it. So mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, you can cut as many of those off as you need to, and it won't harm the right. plant. And so. you can even cut. Well, how should I cut it? <laughs> just, just as you know, cl- as close yeah, to the pruner, trunk as you can. Yeah, pruners at an angle. Oh, an angle. Okay. Yeah, and um, uh, you and can then even. How do I treat it? Treat as in uh, before you bring it inside. How to treat it? Like insecticides and all. Oh well, that too. I was heading mine how to how to plant it to make a new plant. Oh, okay. We, well, you the, know what we're doing is just putting them in water for the beauty, and then and then they're rooting out. But not the air roots. If you're just oh, the air off, roots, yeah, yeah, yeah you're just no, cutting those off, throw them away. Yeah. But okay, but if, but if she needs to, yeah, but yeah. if she needs to cut the the foliage back, yeah, yeah, you're just cutting. Should I cut? Uh, an inch uh, less. Uh, so some of the stems are inch over an inch, and some are less than an inch. You mean then the diameter? In diameter. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter if they're two inches, half an inch. You can cut any of them if they're in the way, or if you need to make it smaller. But you want to take it all the way down to the base. Just don't like cut a yeah, limb in half. You, you know, main thing is when the you base. Stick- 
Yeah, the base oh. of the um, the stem. You the know, main yeah, stem yeah. So the when you make your cut, you don't have half of just this stem sticking up. Yeah. You know, you want to bring that all the way down to to make your but cut. But if you've got leaf nodes on there, <laughs> it will re-sprout from those nodes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can cut it to a node or all the way down. And then you okay. those that you cut off, you just put a node or two beneath the water, and they'll root. Uh, okay. Um, now the leaves are like you know two feet long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how many leaves should I have on a stem? On a cutting. On a cutting, yeah. Two, and you can cut those in half if yeah. you need to. Mm-hmm. You cut them. You mean cut between the leaf? Yeah, you could just cut the leaf in half if it's you know because if you're going to remove them later, it doesn't need the two full leaves to survive. Okay, you want it oh. to produce food, but it's also pulling a lot of moisture out of it. So sometimes by reducing the amount of leaf tissue makes it root easier and faster. Yeah, so maybe just one leaf okay. up there. Yeah, yeah, even just one leaf. Yeah. As long as you've got a leaf on it, you're good. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, well, the plant's about four feet by five feet. That's fantastic. So it's, it's, yeah. driving it, driving, well, it's, it's about four years old, too. How That's old? Right. About four years old. Forty? Forty. I was saying, oh, I think he said forty. Because so I'll say, four years, where'd you have that? And what did you Still feed it? Forty years, four, good Lord. Forty no. years. Yeah, it, my, it was my mother's. That is so with cool. that bird of paradise. You know, Bird of Paradise has five uh, double blooms on man, it right now. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't get to see that in person very yeah. often. But yeah, Dale, just cut that thing back as far as you need to, where you need to, mm-hmm. and then take mm-hmm. the cuttings that you cut. You might as well stick them in water and see if you can get them to root to make new plants. Mm-hmm. You got everything to gain and nothing yeah. to lose. But plus, it's just pretty. We put them in a pretty vase, add some water, and then just have one or two of those long, big leaves with the long stem in yeah. them. It just mm-hmm. adds a nice little architectural happy in the house, and then mm-hmm. it may root. That's right. Yeah. So it's would pretty much. Like w- to- Go ahead. Oh, I w- would you like me to bring one of my double blooms to the sale just for y'all to look at? Well, I'm, I won't be there yeah. today. You know, I won't be at the Botanic oh, okay. Gardens. Right. Yeah. yeah, we have to be at the garden centers working. <laughs> they have to work. Yeah. If you're on the um, Mid-South Gardening Facebook page, a lot of people are mm-hmm. posting pictures of things like that because yeah. there's so many things we don't get to see. So oh, go t- I, I, yeah. I did post one. Okay, good. We'll yeah, check I saw it. it. Oh, you saw it, Jim? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'll check it out. All right. One of them was a wasp. <laughs> <laughs> gotta love them gotta love them that you don't want to kill no That's no it. right <laughs> although i ha- oh kenneth missed the story about that we'll have to get into that yeah. one he doesn't even know okay well i get thank you for the call dale Thanks, we appreciate dale. it thank you very much thank you babe okay and, so and a lot of times that what but that happens to people they'll have these beautiful house plants Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whether they're keeping them inside or taking them outside and bringing them in this time of year before it gets cold, you know, uh, sometimes you got to get in there and cut those things back. All right. We'll be right back.
Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have a gardening question, give us a call toll-free, 844-747-8868 or locally. Yeah, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. Or Facebook. And Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. Uh, it's, it's great. You can brag. You can ask questions. There's no drama. It's it's a great Facebook group. And we need no drama. Yeah. We don't need, need no don't drama. Don't need any drama at all. <laughs> In this time of year, y'all, I mean, there's a lot going on, you know, this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my you know, gosh, you can plant everything. Yeah, and oh, it's yeah. a matter, you know, I mean, I was looking at the impatience that Gina planted uh, this spring on the back walkway. And, you know, it's time for those to come up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, do they still look great? Absolutely. Yes. Are they still blooming their heads off? Mm-hmm. Yes. But I don't want to wait too late, you know, to come back and put my either violas or pansies down. And that's a, a dilemma to a lot of people. Yeah. But you can surely plant, Veda, as you know, Jim, you can plant, you know, beautiful fall color, ornamental cabbage, ornamental kale. The snapdragons. The musters, the peppers, the snapdragons, uh-huh. dusty miller, you know, pansies, violas, all of those mm-hmm. you can plant now. Yeah, my Swiss chard last year was just absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, I remember that one that, we're, that I was telling Jim, I don't know if you were here, that it actually got five feet tall, the good Swiss Lord. chard, and yeah. it was almost impossible to pull out. It was in a raised bed that had ir- over-irrigation, actually, I would awesome. say, but everything was still hanging in there because it was so well-drained, but... I just thought I was in Alice in Wonderland because you know how everything's weird in Alice yeah. in Wonderland. So I walk in the our... back gate and go, wait, what? And we're supposed to take that out. You know that stuff you're smoking is illegal. <laughs> well, I, if I was talking about Alice in Wonderland, I thought it was fine. So we can surely get out there and plant, you know, fall color. Uh, of course, we've mentioned trees and shrubs and perennials. You can still put those in the ground. Perfect time of year to do it. And then, of course, we have to mention, you know, grass, fescue. Uh, a lot of people will plant fescue or ryegrass, but fescue typically in the shade where Bermuda and zoysia won't hey, grow. do you think in the future we won't ever talk about lawn No, again? no, no, ma'am. But fescue <laughs> is a big deal for us guys that want grass up under these trees where Bermuda and zoysia just won't grow. <laughs> I see the anguish yeah. on your face when you say that. But, uh, you know, typically you'll see either five-star fescue or five-star extreme, uh, you know, those are two wonderful blended fescues uh, for shade or even deeper shade. The extreme can even take deeper shade. But this is the time of year to go ahead and get that fescue, you know, down. Uh, you know, we already mentioned pH early in the first hour, you know, putting lime down. A lot of people lime this time of year because it takes lime a little time to break down to alter your pH. So it's going to be helping that beautiful fescue mm-hmm. that you're growing under these shade trees next year right right so you know don't think just because it's fall y'all that there's nothing going on out there oh my goodness like um go ahead jim well you know you said that about whether or not we would not deal with turf in the future and and think about so much out west you know Mm -hmm. where you can't water your lawn i mean it's just illegal yeah and so so many lawns now are gravel yeah, mm-hmm. and True. and you have the few plants that you may have have to be able to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. You, you know? know, I would go with um, if we can't do lawns, then possibly more of. I mean, what if you'll okay? If we can't do lawns, I would take the weeds and to mow because I want to walk in the grass. I'd have pea grass. I want to. F- 
you would have pea grass. Or artificial uh, turf. I just, I want to feel the grass. I want to feel, you know, I mean, I feel connected. Or it makes you think of your childhood. But I want to feel the grass, but I don't want us to, you know, spend all that money and water and chemicals and everything just to keep our grass green. Well, but I still want the grass. Yeah, but I don't so, think we'll ever have a water shortage where it's so critical here, here. Yeah. in the Mid-South that they do out west. So. Mm-hmm. I think we're safe as far as having our toes in the grass. I want everybody to be able to walk in the grass. I understand. <laughs> well, but they don't they, now they anyway. They the boom here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but that's when true. people are trying to, go, you know, have a good-looking lawn, uh, you know, it, it comes down, first of all, how much sun you do or don't get. You know, that's going to dictate what type mm-hmm. of grass you can or can't grow. And we so many times we see Bermuda, you know, where it thins out because they're not getting enough sun for it, and then they'll come in with zoysia. And then, y'all, a lot of times we also see zoysia, you know, thin out because they're not getting enough sun for it. And that's where you see fescue. So it all depends on how much sun you do or don't get. Oh, I see uh, we had someone call in, odd hole or dirt patch in their grass. They're wondering if the likely is an issue with worms. An odd hole, dirt patch in their grass. Could it be worms? If something's digging for worms or grubs, yeah, it mm-hmm. could be. Yeah, um, but earthworms that you see like little crumbles of dirt if on top of the ground. It, yeah. If, yeah, but it doesn't really look like an odd hole. Um, I've seen if you're if the water table's high, I've seen crawdad. Yeah, and of course holes. I'm still seeing some cicadas come out. Yeah. So um, what else could be odd? It depends on how big the hole is too. I mean, it could even be a uh, mole. Oh, yeah. Or a bowl. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I've seen a good bit of mole activity where they're pushing the dirt up. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I mean, I've even seen the other day I saw a a toad frog, you know, sticking his head out of a hole that I had in in a bed in in my backyard. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things out there that can make a hole, I'm telling you. (laughs) Peekaboo. Hey, why is a toad frog called a toad frog? But this was an old toad. Well, I mean, he was just toad. an old brown just toad, toad frog. Yeah. You're just a there toad. Are, there are either toads or frogs, and toads are frogs, but not all frogs are toads. See, I, I can't figure that one out, Jim. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, you know, it's like all chickadees are a bird, but all birds aren't chickadees. All daffodils are narcissus, but not all narcissus are daffodils. Are y'all sure you're just doing tongue twisters? No, to that's true. Excuse me. Yeah. No, so far. Uh, Marty Kaiser texted uh, one of our listeners, uh, and we appreciate Marty listening. He said, when is the best time to apply milorganite this time of year? Now. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. You know, and that's the beauty of that product, Marty. You can put milorganite down anytime. Uh, it's completely non-burning, you know, and you're not going to force something to flush out mm-hmm. that doesn't want to flush out this time of year. Uh, so any day, uh, whether it's spring, summer, or fall, you can put that milorganite down. But when the soil temperature drops below 60, it's just going to sit there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Without the bacteria being active uh, to break it down, it's just not going to be available to plants. And that's going to be what? Usually okay. in November? Yeah, Jim, be late November. November yeah. yeah. So if you want to just have it there for the smell, for the repellent. Yeah, if you're using it for repellent, yeah. you don't really care because you're not thinking about it as a fertilizer. But it won't go away, though. It, it doesn't go away. Yeah. It, it's there. So yes. if you put it down and it's not going to be broke down or utilized till spring, you're still it's still going to be fine because it'll stay. Yes. Yeah, it's not going to leach out. It's not going to ga- turn into gases in the air. It's not going to roll off into your water table. It'll bond, especially if you've got some clay. Yeah. It'll bond there and stay. So 
really depends on what you're using it for and anytime's good but to get response from it sooner than later you want the soil temperature above 60. Right. yeah to have those like you said those bacteriums those microbes break that product down yeah all right guys what do y'all is a flip of the coin if you had to choose between violas and pansies I can't both. choose. And and uh, would do both, or Jim, you would say both. But I mean, no, I said violas. Right, why would <laughs> As you? Again, he's not listening. To why me. would you go over violas instead of pansies? Well, if they bloom more profusely. Mm-hmm. They'll tolerate a little more shade. So they will. Than, than pansies will. Uh, but I just think they're prettier in the landscape. And now they're the ones that had that smaller bloom. Yeah. Kind of look like so a pansy with these small blooms. Yeah. yeah. So I like right. the violas in the ground, and the pansies in the hanging baskets and containers. I just like that. Oh, and then there's the trailing ones. Do you have the trailing ones? The yet? cool way. We've got some I of those. I think I yeah. got them yeah. in yesterday. I haven't checked, though. But the trailing ones look kind of eh in the container. And then when you plant, <clears throat> well, in the pot when you yeah. buy them. But then when you plant them, they fluff up and look great. But to me, they just look but a little But it's funny. Meh. But, but yeah. we do get that question with customers that come into the garden center. They're like, Kenny, all right, which one do you like the most, violas or pansies? Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to answer that question because they're both great looking. Well, to me, they taste the same. So oh. I have no preference. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, and Jim likes the violas <laughs> better. You like the violas better in the beds, and you like mm-hmm. pansies better in containers. But, you know, I've even seen people mix the two. You know, yeah, that works. Uh, because the pansies had that bigger bloom, you know, mm-hmm. for the showstopper, and the violas had the smaller bloom. But for all the reasons uh, that y'all just mentioned, they're great. So yeah, and I do have a lot of questions on should I mix them, all different colors, or should I put two colors together, or should I do one color? And the answer is yes. Yeah, to all, all of to them. all the above. I, I just I, sometimes the only thing I can think of is are you OCD, <laughs> or do you like catastrophes? <laughs> And then, so your OCD, all of them in a straight line. Catastrophes all mixed together. If you're somewhere in between, then two colors. <laughs> yeah, but they're, when I, I, I guess our point is, guys, it really doesn't matter. They're both great looking. They're both, uh, you know, winter hardy. Now, even though the, the violas do bloom a little better, even in colder mm-hmm. temperatures. There's so. that. And the shade, like y'all said. Yeah, yeah. so, um, but they're, they, they're both absolutely wonderful. But I guess the point is, you know, getting back to my impatience that need to come out of the ground. I mean, mm. you know, how long do you wait to pull the impatience up Till or the vinca until you get to not past cut November? Them off. Don't pull them up, cut them off. But you have such big root systems that's that you got to right. dig in between. That's okay. Yeah. yeah, see, Jim likes to just cut them down. Leave the, the root level. systems. I mean, that's good. It's broke. It's separated your soil for you. You got mm-hmm. organic matter already down in there that'll die. It's just, it's great. Don't. Don't pull them up. I know. I did that soil. years ago, and then I thought um, some horticulturist is going to see me doing this and think I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Come <laughs> but in from the horticulturist. Sense. Just like the kids ask me, why are we blowing the leaves out of the bed? Because aren't leaves mulch? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but they go, so they pay us to blow the leaves out of the bed and to put mulch back in. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, there's a fine line. Because the mulch is clean and looks pretty. But I see your point on, on like, why do we do these things? And we've talked about that before, and I know mm-hmm. we got to go to a break. But ground-up leaves put back in the bed, I don't really don't mind. Yeah. Big, fat, wet oak leaves out there all winter, that, don't like it at all. That's a problem yeah. in the shrubs and all. Okay, we're going to run to a break, and we've got David that we'll get to you when we come back. This is Mid-South Gardening.
Good morning, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We've got a caller, David. Good morning, David. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Dave. Good morning to you, buddy. What's going on this weekend? Hey, Kenneth. Jim. And is it Veda with a V or B? With a V as in Victor. It's actually a Vador, V-A-D-O-R, but nobody knows how to say that, so we call her Vita. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I just wanted to uh, circle back on the the violas and uh, and pansies. Aren't they, um, aren't there two types of uh, pansies and violas, like a a sorbet and... Mm -hmm. That's uh, one of the blends, yeah. Yeah. The blend, right? Yeah. The blends. There's like no wait a minute, not the blends. There's a type of well, you have a panola, yeah, which is a cross between a pansy and a viola. But there are many, many, many yeah. different varieties mm-hmm. of varieties, pansies yeah. and violas. Uh, sorbet just being one variety. Yeah, you know, you've nice. got some that hold their heads more upright than others, so you have to do a little research on some of them. Yeah. Um, the sorbet, I, I typically put in a lot of the, uh, I use the violas for the uh, containers mostly. Jim, mm-hmm. sorry. and uh, <laughs> But they they seem to, uh, uh, you know, bounce back a lot quicker and and perform better. I don't know. Yeah, this, I like the sorbet <laughs> colors too. Yeah, but a lot mm-hmm. of people get caught up, Dave, you know, in just the naming uh, of the viola or the naming of the, uh, the pansy, you know, used to be there was pansies like Colossus. And, and then crystal there was, bowl. Yeah, and then majestic there was Majestic Giant, giant mm-hmm. you know, and then there's Delta. And yeah. there's so many different little names. But, you know, mostly if you're looking for a bigger bloom, you just go with pansies. If you're looking for a smaller bloom that hold their little heads up, you get more prolific bloom because they're smaller. You know, we go with violas. But it was funny how yeah. some people would come in, Dave, and they would go, hey, I want the white-blooming Delta pansies. And they wouldn't take anything else yeah. other than Delta, even though the other ones were exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and now you have, in both, you have choice whether they have a blotch or not. You got <laughs> right. the, the clears, which are all one color. And right. then you have those that have the lower petals that are with uh, face black splotches on them. Yeah, yeah. So, But they're uh, beautiful. Now, Dave, how long do you... Please? How long do you wait? I've seen your place before, and it's always absolutely beautiful, manicured to the T. Uh, and, and you know your bedding plants in front, up under, in your front yard, up under your trees right now, probably look great. How long do you wait to come in and put your pansies and violas in? I'll probably put them in on the third week of October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially by the way the weather's looking. Anyway, that's about when I would as well. Yeah, yeah. he plants them so close. My summer, they look like they're full. Mm, yeah. Nice summer color still popping pretty yeah. well so absorb it one more week yeah, yeah. at least <laughs> exactly i know hey listen love your show y'all have a great weekend thanks, right. for thanks listening, david thank thanks you for david the call. and right. um the oh here's some things for y'all to think about a lot of people don't use these or they're just now learning about them is any of the carex grass c-a-r-e-x or the acorus a-c-o-u-r-s love both Look of those. those up because they're evergreen they like shade, part shade. They can take moist areas. Acorus can take wet areas. I mean, it'll grow. You can use it in an yeah. aquarium. It'll grow underwater. Uh, yeah, because we've got that next to the pond. Yeah. we got too much next to the pond. I can't see the pond now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds me of when Jim brought us all the water hyacinths. And so somebody was buying some the other day, and he goes, how long it was staying in a bag? 
And I go, it'll stay two days in a black plastic bag out on the... <laughs> because yeah. we didn't mean for it to happen, but it happened, and they yeah. lived oh, yeah, and survived. So, as long as they're moist, they're fine. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were fine. But yeah, Carex grass, because also Carex is great for containers. It's good to... And I have, a, I, in fact, I posted a picture this past week of one that's in bloom. has a mm-hmm. beautiful little red spike on it. Yeah. And, and with, that's the water housing? No, or this, the, is, this is Carex. Carex, okay. It's a good shade grass. Yeah. Wide blade... It's about mm-hmm. six inches tall, but it has this unusual red flower spike that's uh, yeah. re- really kind of cool. It is. The Everello, the yellow one. That's beautiful. Whew, we sell that one like crazy mm, yeah. because it's just another color that brings out the shade. But then the one you're talking about, I think it's Evergold that's white and green. Um, that one is really good in the shade, too. It, it kind of gives you some light in the darker areas. It's a great border. It's a great filler. It's great for hanging baskets, for containers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, check out all the Carex grasses. Oh, how about the one, of course, Minima, Minimanilis? Wait, say that for me. Minima. Thank you. Oh, well, that's well we got I was that trying one. To, yeah. yeah, we got that one. I was trying to add more words to it. <laughs> but it's so cute and small and, and yellow and just like about... And two inches at the height, the most. It, re- it reminds me of the mouse ears hosta. Oh, you yeah. know, the, you know, you're looking at this little dwarf hosta. I'm so used to mm-hmm. seeing these huge, big leaved hostas. You're like, yeah, is this thing for real? You know, know. yeah. And I, I have a little dwarf hosta that makes mouse ears look like Empress Wu. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> See, that's, that's tiny. Hostas are supposed to it look big and tiny. majestic. And, and it was a, it was a seedling that that from one of mine uh, mm-hmm. that I planted, and it's it's a green leaf one, but it's the whole width of the plant is maybe an inch and a half. That's crazy. Yeah. So those aren't yeah. your garden ones. You're like got to put them in a container or a fairy well, garden. It's in the raised bed, but it's right on the edge yeah, so you, you can, can see it. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Anything would cover it. <laughs> a leaf. See, hostas are insane because you can get them four feet wide and uh, half an inch wide. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many varieties of things. But um, let's see. So we're going with the Carex is something new to look at. Yeah. And the, I bet there's like miniature hostas at the Botanic Gardens. Because yeah. oh, we have, don't oh, have any. Yeah, yeah, they've got some good hostas over there in, in their sale. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're ever over there, go to the, see the hosta garden. It's absolutely fantastic. Oh, Thanks well, for listening. It's time to go again, but we will see you next weekend in the Mid-South Garden. No.